Recently, my roommate had been feeling depressed. She doesn't have many friends where we live, and she was struggling to find other Christian gals to befriend. And although she enjoys my friends, their interests differ greatly. So as I helped her find community, I figured I might share that journey and some tips with you as well. So thanks for joining me. I'm Alyssa Rowe, and this is Big Pond Little Fish. Making your own way in the world may feel like you're a very small fish in a very big, confusing pond. How do you honor God and pursue your calling while navigating the waters of life in your 20s? On this podcast, we're exploring life, career, family, friends, and calling from the perspective of a young Christian fish trying to make a splash in the world's big pond. So, welcome to episode 5, Swimming in Sync, Godly Friendships. Yes, the fish puns continue. The Bible stresses the importance of friendship, but how do you find friends as an adult? More importantly, how do you build quality friendships? So today we're talking about strategies for getting to know people, loving the fish in your life, and maintaining healthy relationships. So when I moved from Arizona to Indiana for college, I didn't know a single person at my new school. Luckily, college kind of forces you to make friends quickly. I made great friends with dorm mates, other students in my major, with guys from our brother floor, co-workers at the library, other staff on the newspaper. And since I had been homeschooled, I never had friends like that before. College was amazing for me, an entire campus filled with people my age, many with my same interests. But after graduating, things were different. Not only was I not surrounded by fellow students 24-7, I now work from home. No chance there for making friends with coworkers. That meant friends had to be more intentional. Who did I want to befriend? Who did I want to keep up with? How could I be better friends with people? So first let's talk about what good biblical friendships look like, and then we'll talk about where to find them. So I'm going to go over six components that I think make up a good biblical friendship. There are probably more out there, but we're going to start with these six. So first, godly friendships are intentional. So there will always be people who will be your acquaintances, your work buddies, or other people you're friendly with but don't necessarily know on a deep level. But to truly cultivate deeper friendships, it requires intentionality. It means taking time out of our busy schedules, planning things ahead of time, and prioritizing others. Unlike when we were kids and we would just see our friends at school every day, if we don't plan to see our friends now, it just won't happen. And second, godly friendships are authentic. So with acquaintances, coworkers, etc., you might put up a pleasant front, an it's fine attitude, and you might act more professional or more subdued or less silly. But in true friendships, you show one another your true self. And as Christians, we accept each other as the flawed, unique beings God made us. Which kind of brings us to number three, godly friendships are respectful. In a good friendship, both parties respect one another as valuable and loved by God. Words are used to build up rather than to tear down, like in Ephesians 4.29. And no one is put down or belittled. And if your friends do treat you badly, you're not required to stay friends with them. So four, godly friendships are full of grace and forgiveness. No one is perfect, and even someone with the best of intentions will sometimes hurt their friends. 
In godly friendships, we have to remember that we're all broken and all in need of forgiveness. So making mistakes doesn't mean you should cut someone off or be passive aggressive. So of course, if someone is intentionally wronging you, that's a case of forgiving but moving on. But just because they mess up doesn't mean it's over. And five, godly friendships are built on supporting one another. Friendships aren't just for having fun. Sometimes having friends isn't about going on outings, playing games, or enjoying other activities. Sometimes it means sitting in a hospital, waiting room, bringing a meal, listening to problems. In Romans 12:15, Paul instructs the believers to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Friendships are just as much about the hard times as the good times. And finally, number six, godly friendships have boundaries and mutuality. Friendships can become idols. We may become too dependent on others or require too much of one person. Friends are allowed to do things without us and have lives outside of us. In care for our friends, good friendships have boundaries. No one person should bear the weight of all of another person's needs. Friendships should also be mutual. Both members should support one another, offer forgiveness, intentionally make time for each other, and encourage one another. If one person is always giving and one is always taking, the friendship is not healthy. Of course, during some periods, one person may need more help than another, but overall, each should care for the other's needs. Sometimes God might lead us to befriend those who have no one else or people who have nothing to offer us in return. But that means that we should also have friends who support us, and we should strive in our friendships to make sure we are giving as well as taking. So we've talked about what good friendships look like. So now, where do we find those friends, and how do we find like-minded people? So, luckily for me, a lot of my job in an industry like publishing is reaching out to strangers and trying to build connections, what we call networking. So I have plenty of ideas of where to meet people. And although I didn't really talk about mutual interests or personalities or compatibility when I was just talking about what makes a good friendship, these things can certainly help. So here are 10 places you might find people you click with. So the first one is church, and I feel like this is kind of the obvious one. You'll find other people who believe in the same God, have similar values, and also these are all people who are actively choosing to engage in community. So building a church family is a great way to find friends. So second, kind of a corollary, is a small group or Bible study. There are a lot of people in a church and it can be hard to get to know anyone on a deeper level, so that's where small groups and Bible studies come in. A lot of churches announce them in the bulletin, or people you know might invite you. Friends you already have might introduce you to their group where you can also meet more people. And these smaller groups allow you to discuss meaningful things while also hanging out with several other people and getting to know them. Or your church might have a young adults or singles group. Awkward as it might be at first, if you attend group events, meetings, etc., and introduce yourself, you might meet some new people. So third, I'm going to say book clubs, fandoms, or nerd groups. So here I'm getting more to my comfort area. 
I like meeting people at church well enough, but I really click with people who are passionate about the same things I am. So are there book clubs you can join? Other people in your fandoms you can talk with online who might also be able to meet in person someday? A lot of places have also popped up as like game stores slash coffee shops or game stores slash dessert places or all number of combinations. And you can go there and play board games, tabletop RPGs, etc. while having coffee or eating donuts or meeting other people. So if you're nerdy, you can find other players for long-running RPGs, or if you're a video gamer, you might make gamer pals. And this isn't something I would do, but sporty people have leagues you can join for anything from softball to tennis to ultimate frisbee. If that's more your speed, you might make some good friends from your teammates. And number four, we've got neighbors. Neighbors come in all shapes and sizes, and some might be a little scary, so be careful. But you can reach out to your neighbors, say hi, be friendly, stop to talk. When my roommate and I moved in, I baked cupcakes, and we offered some to our neighbors. We didn't really end up becoming close friends, but we know them well enough to make light conversation. And sometimes just that can help you feel better if you're feeling isolated in a new place. And if someone else is the new person moving in, welcome them. So number five is coworkers. You might never want to see your coworkers again after you go home. I understand that. But if you enjoy chatting with a few of them, why not invite them to grab lunch with you or ask them if they want to get coffee or invite them over for a game night? When I worked in retail, I went to the movies with a few coworkers or we went and watched the fireworks. And the better you know one another, the more you might enjoy working together too. So number six is friends of friends. If you're the sort of person who's willing to host, you can invite your friends over for a game night, 4th of July celebration, Halloween, or harvest party, and invite them to bring friends of their own. You'll be able to meet new people, and as a bonus, there are people your friends already like. Or if you're not a hosting type of person, which I get it, not everybody is, you can go to your friends' gatherings and meet more of their friends. Or even if an acquaintance invites you to a small get-together, you can go and meet new people. I'm not saying that you should, like, go to all the clubs and raves and wild parties just to meet people, but there are plenty of other gatherings where you can meet new people that you haven't met before. Of course, during COVID and the pandemic, things are going to be a bit different, so make good choices and take any of these in-person suggestions with a grain of salt. So... Rather than in person, we also have number seven, which is online friends. I recently learned that some dating apps have also become friend apps. Bumble, for example, has a friends feature that connects you with other people in your area who are looking for platonic relationships. So my roommate has been trying that out recently. Uh, You might also find Facebook groups for local gatherings or clubs. And basically, online meet and greet spaces aren't just for dating. Now, number eight, uh, professional events and conferences. This might be a little bit niche, but I meet a lot of people at conferences. Your job or industry may not have these sorts of events, but if you work in something like publishing, we have massive writing conferences, book expos, bookseller conventions, and on and on. They're a fantastic place to meet people who are passionate about the same things as me. Professional and personal connections often overlap, and I've made some great author friends from these events. 
There are also places I often get to see friends from out of town, so I look forward to seeing friends I usually only talk to online and hang out outside of the conferences themselves. Some of my best memories are late at night in hotel rooms or lobbies, all of us exhausted from a long day but delighted to be hanging out together in person again. And number nine, volunteering. You might also make some great friends volunteering. These are people who care about the same things you do. Maybe fellow dog or cat lovers at a shelter, other teachers at Sunday school, outdoorsy types working on building projects. Volunteering often brings people together in a special way through a shared sense of purpose. And number 10, take a class. I really do love learning, and someday when finances allow, I can't wait to pursue more advanced degrees. But learning doesn't have to be for a degree or for school. You can take a sewing class or a pottery class or maybe a Zumba class. You can take writing workshops or classes on specific books of the Bible. You can find things that interest you and meet like-minded people there. Just like a lot of us used to make friends with classmates, you can still do that today and learn fun new things while you're at it. I'm sure there are other ideas that I haven't talked about. Anywhere you meet people, you might find friends. And if you don't find besties right away, don't get discouraged. Building close friendships takes time, sometimes months or years. Most people probably won't be for you what Anne of Green Gables called a bosom friend. But we were made for community. In the very beginning, God said of Adam, it is not good for the man to be alone. And having others around us, especially those who can encourage us to the Lord, is important. I think it's also good for us to remember, having grown up with the media presence of the idea of the best friend, that one person doesn't have to be our person. Our person is Jesus. He's the only one who is there for us at all times, for all of our needs, and knows all of our secrets, dreams, and desires. When we look for a human person to fill the role Jesus is meant to fulfill, we're only going to be disappointed. No one person will ever be enough. And I think that's why God designed us to live in community with many people all supporting one another in different ways. So in the end, bring God into your friendships, into your disagreements, your good times, your search for friends. Pray over your relationships and the people around you. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So thank you for joining me, and I hope you'll tune in next time for episode 6, Follow the Current, Pursuing Calling. And if you want to connect with me, check out alyssarote.com, A-L-Y-S-S-A-W-R-O-T-E.com, or check me out on Twitter, Insta, or Facebook at alyssarote, A-L-Y-S-S-A-W-R-O-T-E. I look forward to hearing from you. Big Pond Little Fish is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed this episode, would you take a minute and leave us a rating and review in your favorite podcast app? It really does help more people like you find the show. You can find all of our episodes of Big Pond Little Fish by visiting lifeaudio.com. This episode was produced by me, Kelly Gibbons, and Stephen Sanders. Special thanks to Stephen McGarvey for his executive oversight. You can find more faith-affirming podcasts like this one by visiting lifeaudio.com.